Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, we view as much more than just a daily report. Um, it's really a knowledge platform uh, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics. Uh, yes, through the daily reports, but also these podcasts every week. And we do um, major webinars uh, throughout the year. And hopefully at some point we'll get back to some live events. And along with our chief strategist, Shelly Cohan, who's also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our conversation on the topic of BNPL, buy now, pay later, which most of you know about. Um, is it a credit card replacement or just another payment option? So Shelly, I'd like to open with kind of a provocative thought <clears throat> that we can uh, kind of keep in mind as we go through our discussion. So think um, Tesla, for example, you know, electric cars as the future, right? And is Tesla as the first mover going to become the dominant brand in that new future. I said in the beginning, uh, Tesla as first mover will give the multi-billion dollar legacy brands, Reed, Ford, General Motors, Chevrolet, BMW, you know, all of them. You, I think you know where I'm going with this. They, they sit back and learn from Tesla's mistakes and from its innovations and then Guess what happens? The big guns with very deep pockets and hugely respected brands, I might add, that have been with us forever, move with the speed of light, with their billions and basic understanding of transportation. They come out overnight and push Tesla aside at a pittance of investment, not having gone through Tesla's many stumbles. Now, onto our subject, think of Klarna, Affirm, Sezzle, and um, by the way, dozens of copycats opening every week. Well, guess what we are seeing now, Shelley? The big guns with <laughs> deep pockets, Reed, MasterCard, American Express, Visa, PayPal, and I'm sure I'm missing some. Same playbook as the auto example, these cards with the trusted brands are overnight adding BNPL to their options. Furthermore, they can afford different bells and whistles and they have the marketing savvy and the capital to blow these start startups out of the water. I mean, I think that's a, it's a great- They really do. What's yeah. going on. And there's something else, Shelly, it, it, it's, it's Really, you know, is there a race to oversaturation? And all, all of a sudden, there are too many options out there. So the point I'm making is more supply than demand, which as you know, it turns into a race to the bottom of pricing. Sounds weird in an inflation, but already we are learning the various differences among all of, the, all of these BNPL models each wants differentiation for competitive advantage, 
and ultimately it will lead to promotional pricing in one way or another, which of course <laughs> we have painfully witnessed in apparel over several decades. Sorry, Shelley, that's my big idea for an opener. So uh, for, us, for us to keep in mind and, and the audience as well. But now Shelley, um, take us through the macro picture of this new and really fiercely growing industry. Well, Robin, first of all, I love your analogy. Thanks. Spot on as <laughs> usual. <laughs> um, the number of US buy now pay later users is gonna soar from 1.6 million in 2018 to 59 million in 2022. Wow. Yeah. So we're gonna most likely begin to taper off uh, this a little bit due to these new regulatory restrictions in the space of buy now, pay later. Um, so we're going to talk about that in a second. But just to make sure all our listeners are on the same page with us, buy now, pay later is making a purchase for something, mostly tangible items. Although consumers have been turning to buy now, pay later for travel, which actually makes sense to me. But paying for a purchase over four installments, the first one being the day of the purchase, and then you have three more installments, typically over a cadence of every two weeks. Then the items paid off within six weeks. So over the past four years, buy now, pay later usage has exploded in the U.S., particularly among Gen Z and millennial. And you and I, Robin, we've been talking about the BNPL space in, and in our podcast, Buy Now, Pay Later in the Crosshairs, we actually had the CEO of Sezzle, Charlie Ulkim, right. on as a guest. So in the U.S. market, though, the penetration, when you look at the total e-com sales, the total penetration of Buy Now, Pay Later really only sits at 4%, but it was 2% in 2020, so we see it gaining some traction. Mm -hmm. Sweden and Germany, they have between 20 and 25% of e-com payments are being transacted using buy now, pay later. The UK is at 6%. The global transaction value, according to Statista, is growing from 34 billion in 2019 to a projected, get this Robin, 576 billion by 2026. That's crazy. So that's that's an increased 17 fold. That's insane, right? That's the global yes. transaction value. The US market specifically is projected to grow to 144 billion by 2026 and represent about 25% of the global market share. So doubling its payment value uh, when you compare 2022 to 2026. But recently, and here's what we're gonna talk about, a red flag has been raised in the buy now, pay later space. It's in the middle of a, what we call an inquiry uh, to determine whether stricter regulations is needed. So US yeah. regulatory, um, they're looking at, they're concerned over the lending practices of buy now, pay later companies. And they are trying to determine if these companies are putting consumers at risk of over borrowing deteriorating yes. the consumer's credit without full transparency of the users. So yep. the, re the recent inquiries into the business model, and again, when you start adding in, you mentioned earlier, Amex, MasterCard, okay, now it's a big industry, it needs to be looked into. Um, but some animal analysts are saying that buy now, pay later is a dying market. But Robin, I don't agree with that. Uh, everything I'm seeing is telling me the exact opposite. I do think the buy now, pay later space is growing. Consumers love it. 
they feel in more control of their own financial destiny, especially when compared to credit cards, which using credit cards can, you know, be a downward spiral that lands into the bottom of a deep hole that they can't get out of. Yeah. So I think with the exclusive nature of buy now, pay later, they're less discriminant about who can use it. It seems to be more consumer friendly. So I think it's still going to continue to grow. But with that said, the buy now later, later space is less regulated than credit cards and other financial institutions. So putting policy around practice is good for the consumer. And it's also good for the FinTech space. Yep. But this is regulatory practice. It does not bode well for investors who may think that more policy will create a downtrend in the buy now, pay later space. Yeah. So, I mean, in a Wall Street Journal article, there was um, it talked about what is happening in the space and how the inquiry and the current economy are impacting some of the buy now, pay later companies. So a firm which went public in January of 2021 posted $49 per share. It rose to 170 by November of the same year. SoftBank, which is backed uh, Klarna, that's the one of the largest uh, buy now, pay later, is looking to raise as much as $1 billion in a deal that could have it valued in the low $30 billion range. So last year it was valued at $46 billion. So the value has gone down. So investors are being very cautious about investing in the market. That's what's happening now. Yeah, and you, you know, it's like we've talked before, <clears throat> these investors fire holding money at these startups. I, I wonder how many of them are actually making any money. Anyway, <clears throat> all of your points are very good. And of course, I do believe consumers love it, but it does raise all the issues you laid out consumers with, you know, appetites bigger than their stomach, so to speak, leading to credit deterioration, more regulations, which might somehow put guardrails around innovation uh, that might carry more risks. Anyway, Shelley, who, yeah, who are the big players and, and who are their users? Well, there's really three <clears throat> big players when you look at the U.S. market, Klarna, Afterpay and Affirm. And if you sum up the total of the users, it comes to almost 70 million users. So Affirm yeah. has 14 million, Afterpay has 20 million, and Klarna has about 35 million. So the users of just those three companies that I mentioned, Klarna, Afterpay, Affirm, they're projected to grow by 41% by 2026. Incredible. And then you yeah. have new entrants, you know, not so new, but relatively new, Sezzle. You have PayPal's Pay and Four, and then soon you're going to have MasterCard, Visa, yep. Apple Pay. So, over what's interesting to note is over 50% of the users in Buy Now Pay Later are Gen Z and Millennials, and 27% of the U.S. population uses Buy Now Pay Later payments today. So it's really, yeah, it's very interesting data, Shelley, and. Uh, and back to the regulation point, what is the uh, CFPB doing? Well, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau inquiry into buy now, pay later space is looking at lending practices of the five of the leading firms, including the three I mentioned earlier, firm Afterpay Klarna. They're also looking at PayPal's Pay and Four um, as another one. 
to see, one, they want to know what are some of the company's current practices in regard to credit worthiness? How are they reporting issues when they arise? Mm. How are late fees being communicated to consumers and how are they being assessed? And how are companies going about collecting debt? And the CFBD also wants to know how these buy now, pay later companies are using customer data. This is a big issue, Robin. What are they doing with the data that they have? Because they have lots of data about consumers. Here we go with again, right? <laughs> Privacy issues across the board with big tech. Go ahead. It's true, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. with finance in the U.S., it is one of the, it's considered one of the highly protected data. Yep. But there is not the same degree of rigor for fintech. Well, at least not yet. Yeah, so, you know, so the CFPB, you know, wants to make sure that, uh, you know, buy now, pay later companies are not being deceptive with the users and are not allowing uh, customers to get into debt unknowingly. So they're also uh, going to look at um, capping fees that consumers are charged for delinquent payments. Um, pay, pay, PayPal's pay in four dropped late fees worldwide in October, 2021. That's so, right. Yeah. So what happens when users cannot pay off their debt? Are they handed over to collection agent, agencies? And is this clear to users? Can, can they credit, um, can their credit be, you know, impacted if credit was not used to use the system in the first place? An e-marketer survey showed that almost three quarters of US BNPL users who had missed at least one payment believed, they believed their credit score declined as a result. And that was per August, 2021 polling by uh, Credit Karma. Uh, any regulation is going to change the business model and add costs, right? Sure. to the BNPL model. So it will increase the cost of doing business. Does the retailer uh, buy now, pay later, or consumer pay for these added costs? Well, Robin, first of all, if they're capping fees that buy now, pay later companies can charge, this is also going to impact the revenue, right? They're not going to be able to have yeah. as much revenue if there's a cap <laughs> off on fees. And with rising interest rates, the buy now, pay later companies, they sometimes rely on credit lines to get money. And if those uh, interest rates raise higher, yeah. that's gonna keep added cost to the business as well. Not to mention when you look at Visa, MasterCard, and they are coming up with their own buy now, pay later programs, they're actually gonna probably start taking some market share away from um, sure. smaller companies. Yep. And here's the real game changer. We haven't talked about this yet, but when Apple Pay introduces Buy Now, Pay Later and its solution to paying over time, that's going to be a tremendous game changer because a lot of users already use Apple Pay. It's very right. intuitive for them. It's on their phone. It's very easy. A lot of merchants already off offer Apple Pay. So what's going to happen is when this feature is rolled out to retailers, the retailers only have to accept Apple Pay to be able to offer this pay over time. So that'll be a real game changer for sure. 
The other area that will be viewed in terms of what the um, what they're going to be looking at is marketing practices. So there's the whole Truth in Lending Act, right. which you know, if buy now pay later companies are they being clear in marketing messages? What about disclosures? That's a big big topic. Mm -hmm. Disclosures are they clear? Are they being transparent? Let me add that the Equal Credit Opportunity Act percent, uh, protects consumers from being discriminated against. So that's another um, yeah. avenue that's going to be looked at. And what's interesting is um, the CEO, uh, Charlie Uchem from CESL, he said, he told us on our podcast last year that CESL has trying to be very proactive in trying to get ahead of a lot of the regulations. So, right. and a firm CEO, Max Levchin, he said, buy now, pay later plans like a firm that don't charge late fees will be in greater demand during a downturn. So yeah. what he's saying, this was in the May earnings call. He said, quote, it's our mission to improve people's lives and we will be prepared to meet this demand. But again, our approach is only to extend credit that believe that we believe can be repaid. So. <laughs> From a retailer perspective, with higher prices and raising interest rates, I would think the merchants would want to provide a service like Buy Now Pay Later to help ease the pain of increased prices. So the Buy Now Pay Later is used more broadly, like I mentioned earlier, for travel as an example. Well, <laughs> there you go, Shelley. Come on, quote unquote. It is our mission to improve people's lives only to extend credit that we believe can and will be repaid. Give me a break, Shelly. Come on. <laughs> I, know, I, 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 I am no Pollyanna. You know, follow the money, Shelly, right? I, I believe you probably know as I do, the big credit cards purposely send credit cards to addresses, addresses they know are likely credit risks. And they build in estimated profit losses. I mean, come on, they are out to grow. And, you know, they're going to figure out, they're going to have percentage of, uh, of bankruptcies and so forth and so on. They're going to have a percentage of profit loss every year. But by continuing to throw this stuff out there for free, I might add, I get credit cards for free in the mail all the time. Anyway, so, you know, those are statements <laughs> that they make to Wall Street. Anyway. In closing, Shelley, you know, go back to my opener. First, oversaturation of upstart BNPLs that race to oversaturation. Giant legacy brands dive in and push many of the newbies to the side. Then the race to the bottom, price promote, price promote. And one more time, discount pricing the giants with big pockets will win. So I don't know, you wanna to add to that, disagree with that assessment? No, I think you're spot on, but my question is who loses in the end? I mean, the consumer should have access to programs like Buy Now, Pay Later, and companies should be clear about what consumers are getting into. In the current model, the consumer doesn't pay for the service. With that said, we've all been in various places over the past year where they're starting to charge us, the consumer, to be able to use credit cards. So who knows where that's gonna land, yeah. but I don't think consumers should have to pay 3% because they're using a credit card. 
It should be a service that's free and they should not have to pay for buy now, pay later. The retailers win with buy now, pay later by having higher transaction value uh, for purchases. And even with credit card purchases, people spend more money. So the retailers actually win. So charging the consumer to me doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I agree with that. Amen. <laughs> well, for our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and theromreport.com. And look for us on YouTube where we broadcast our podcast. And follow us on social media, link in with us, and please follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I want to thank you all once again for joining us. Um, really happy that you came and heard this interaction here. I think there were some learning points. Um, and as I say every week, if any of you have some ideas on topics that you would like Shelly and I to cover, send me an email. Um, email address is robin at therobinreport.com. And thanks again very much.